Welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis. I'm a marriage and family therapist and licensed professional counselor trained in trauma and addiction. The Asking Why podcast is for anyone on a journey of healing and restoration. If you are searching for answers to life's questions and want to learn more about root causes from a psychological and theological mix, this show is for you. In this podcast, myself and a co-host from Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness will interview guests on a wide range of topics in order to get down to the heart of the problems facing our world and understand why things happen and how to change the world and ourselves for the better. Want to learn more tips and tricks to living a healthy lifestyle? Visit us at Clint Davis Counseling and Integrative Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. If you want to meet our staff or book a speaker, go to clintdaviscounseling.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe today. Putman Restoration is a proud sponsor of the Asking Why podcast. Putman Restoration specializes in commercial disaster services, including water damage, fire, smoke, mold, and storm. Their goal and desire is to get your properties up and running as soon as possible after disaster strikes. Hospitals, schools, hotels, and large municipal buildings, malls, churches, and large commercial properties are their specialty. Manage properties nationwide? No problem. Putman Restoration services their clients nationwide. They are strategically partnered with elite restoration companies throughout the U.S. and Canada, giving their clients resources during disasters where normal companies would be tapped out. Trust the professionals at Putman Restoration when disaster strikes. Visit them online at www.putmanrestoration.com or give them a call at 318-453-5029. All right, welcome to the Asking Why podcast. I'm your host, Clint Davis, and this is episode 82 and I have my friend and also therapist, Eli Weinstein with us, or Weinstein, however. Hey, yeah. how you doing? Ellie Weinstein. You know what? It's a hard thing. I, I, I love, my name is a long Jewish name, and Ellie's my nickname, but like E-L-I is confusing because it's also Eli. That's right. So like, it's Ellie, if people call me Eli. As long as someone's calling me somewhat close to my name, I'm going to tell, I'm going to say hey. So I uh, know I love it. That's right. And the I'm only here. the only interaction we've had is on reading it on social media. So Yeah, so how the heck are you supposed to know? Yeah. The Southern Boy. Your name's kinda like easy. It's, I wouldn't call you Clint. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. <laughs> so how you doing, man? How you doing, Clint? Good. Ellie. So excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you're here, man. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. I, you know, I've followed you on social media and see all your posts and, and some listen to some of your podcasts on the dude therapist. And uh, yeah, so tell us. About and you're on you. the show. You're gonna, be, you know, we recorded with you, so I'm excited to air your episode in the coming months. That's right. Um, so uh, my name is Ellie Weinstein. I'm out here in Vegas, uh, licensed in both Nevada and in New York. Uh, parents of two beautiful children, a boy and a girl, and married to my beautiful wife Ariella for eight years right now. Ariella, is that what you said? Yeah, that's a beautiful name. She's a beautiful person. Yeah, you don't, so it goes you don't make her, it easy you know? on nobody, though. I mean, with the names. <laughs> We're trying to mess with everyone's head. We're like, <laughs> you really need to work hard to call our name. That's what we're trying to do, you know? Absolutely. Oh, man. Well, that's awesome. So how long have you been a therapist? I've uh, been a therapist about eight, nine years. Um, even though COVID kind of threw off my numbers, so maybe it's like five. I have no idea anymore. Yeah. Um, but probably around seven, seven to eight years I've been a therapist. Uh, and I specialize in relationships and couples. Uh, anxiety and parenting are my three main focuses that I enjoy working with and specialize in. But of course, everyone and anyone walks into your office. So I'm open to working with most people um, if they're struggling and they need help and they, they're they willing to ask for it yeah, and come and show up and do the work, I'm there for it. And so you have your own private practice? Yeah, I have my, I have my own private practice in both states, yeah. Okay, awesome. And you do mostly uh, Zoom and stuff from for New York and then... Um... In person, mostly Zoom in Nevada, also because oh, most yeah. people aren't asking for in person right now. I think the flexibility that we feel as therapists, as well as what they're feeling as clients, I think is nice. Yeah, um, and hopefully when I when I make millions after this podcast airs, because you know you're a famous person, <laughs> yeah, right. um, uh, and Oprah calls me, then uh, I'll have money to be able to make an office or a center or something like that. Yeah, in or in my home, um, soon to be supervised in Nevada, so I can hire people underneath me. Uh, and start branching out and, you know, helping more people uh, under my name. Yeah, man, it's awesome. It's much needed. There's a, especially for men, I think in mental health, I think it's such a, such a need. And I think you do such a great job of being authentic and honest and, and open with who you are and kind of your family and your life. And, um, yeah. 
and that's so needed. You know, men men need a balance of somebody who's strong and emotional and a leader and all those things, but you know, to see it in a healthy way. And uh, so, tell me what yeah. tell me your story a little yeah. bit. Kind of how'd you become a therapist, or you know, however much of your story you wanna you wanna tell. I'm an open book. Uh, honestly, I got not. I don't have that many skeletons in my closet. You know, I was someone asked me recently, like if you ever got bigger, let's say social media wise or, or famous or whatever, as a therapist or a mental health professional writing books and stuff like that, are you afraid someone's going to find something out? I'm like, no, I'm a white Jewish boy from Long Island. <laughs> I did nothing. My parents didn't let me do anything. I, you know, like, so I'm a Orthodox Jewish guy from Long Island raised. And I always had a sensitivity uh, and empathy for others. Uh, my mom used to tell me stories that I used to cry when I saw a homeless person or people who were deaf or blind or disabled mm. or with disabilities, and it would break my heart. Um, so I always knew I wanted to be in the helping profession, whatever that meant. And of course, doctor was on the table. I didn't want to be in school that long, didn't have the patience. I have ADHD, um, which is what led me to go to therapy, ADHD, which then led to some anxiety. Um, maybe they're hand in hand or one in the same depending on the day. Mm -hmm. And so I found this beautiful world of someone who was in my corner, giving me love and compassion um, with no judgment, who wasn't my parent, who wasn't uh, above me, but was with me right. through life. And there was a day when I was I'm like, I wanna do this. Mm -hmm. I wanna do this. And I always was that kid at recess um, who was the one in the corner listening to other people talk about their problems. Um, uh, usually it was women, uh, you know, <laughs> girls at the time they were, you know, high school girls or whatever it was. Um, and I always just found that easy ability to connect with people, listen to people and, and, and be compassionate and caring to people. Yeah. And so I didn't want to be a psychologist cause I didn't want to be in school again. ADHD didn't think I had the patience to be in school for five to seven years. So I went the social work route. So I was in school for two to three years. Um, and now I'm a LCSW doing the same work as a psychologist. So who cares what your license is and that title? Yeah. If you're helping people, you're helping people. And that's my belief really. Yeah. It's good, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause the average person listening, you know, they don't know the difference between all that stuff anyway, you know, no. mental health professional, LPC, LCSW psychologist, but boy, our boards care about it. And, uh, you know, I don't want to, we want to yep. respect and be ethical within the scope, but, um, the average consumer just wants help. You know, they just want somebody who will listen to them, help them, direct them in the right way, give them some tools and resources. Which um, is, by the way, not to say in a bad way. I know we talked about this before, yeah, yeah. Uh, before we got on the show. But the wellness world feeds off that, right? So unfortunately, because people are looking for help and because the societal boards that run our world as professionals and licensed professionals sometimes pushes people away from getting that treatment because it's sometimes so difficult, so red taped, so disconnected, sometimes depending on the person and the, and the state that they're in, the boards they're in and the accessibility yeah. um, of just being able to get licensed, right? I have people call me from California. It is so hard to be licensed in California from another state. It is so difficult. I have to go back to school. I might have to take another test. I'm done with that. I've done that already. I've done, gone through three, two licensing tests and my master's degree. I don't want to do that again. Yep. So what, what about the people in California who there's not enough or they find a vibe from someone else, right? So I think the wellness world, wellness world feeds off that and sometimes can be hurtful because it's people who are vulnerable just looking for help. Yeah. So if you are looking for help, make sure it's someone who actually cares about you and isn't trying to gouge you for money, but actually has some connection or helpful uh, guidance and not just a life experience, you know? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. People need to know what to look out for. And I think it, you're right. It is, it's on both ends. It can be red tape from the licensing board or from the control of them or wanting all the CEUs or all these things, which, you know, on one hand it's great because you have accountability. And on the other hand, it makes it very difficult for anybody to get it. And then on the other hand, you do, you have anybody who can come out and say, Hey, I, I can help you with this. And I've experienced yeah. allergies. And so now I'm going to tell you everything to do. And that can be very dangerous. And so I think for the consumer, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, finding that middle ground is, is difficult, man. Yeah. But also I would just add to that, that, that idea is that we also have to, um, be cognizant that people are really, hopefully we have to have the best benefit of the doubt. People are really trying to help. Um, and yeah, it is hard to keep your CEUs. It is expensive, um, that people don't really talk about that. We have to make that much more money to be able to pay thousands of dollars to get 
trainings and all that stuff. But on top of it, um, during COVID, the borders were gone. Anyone mm. can work with anyone from any state. Yeah. It was wonderful. People were finding help. Yeah, it was great. They found someone who helped them. And then within a month, it's like, sorry, no more. So do we really, are we really truly caring about people or, you know, the money that's tied to the yeah, states? Yeah, it, it was very, that's cool. a bigger, no, bigger we could do a whole podcast on that for sure. All of the Don't therapists and counselors off. that listen to this definitely know what we're talking about. They all about. know. Yeah. They, they all know. Everyone, everyone, everyone knows. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult, man. Um, yeah. So tell me. So you, you just empathetically, you had that gift of empathy that kind of was in your family. How did, how did your faith play in? How did, how did that play into maybe counseling or, um, you know, looking to be a helper? Yeah, well, I think, and I'm not speaking for all religions here. I can only speak for mine. I think as an Orthodox Jew, I was always brought up in a world that was giving. So we are very focused on charity and having an open home, being caring, right? Being loving, love thy neighbor, um, looking out for the less than, right? It's in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it talks about that the focus is um, widowers and converts, mm -hmm. right? The the outside people who might not feel comfortable, we have to focus on more and God, God cares about them more than others because they're downtrodden and need help. So if I have a privilege or am able to give, I need to be able to give. I yeah. have to give my most. And I also grew up in a home that was very open and giving. My house was open. I mean, people were just in our house. That's awesome. All the time. Always. Guests, friends coming home. My home was open. Um, and even my community. Uh, There's some Jewish organizations that are for people who have physical and mental disabilities. And, and we would have like a weekend where they would come every couple of months. And we would host them for meals. And be part of our community and feel welcome. So to me, I think it's kind of ingrained to help and to give and to care. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean everyone's like that, but that's how I, I felt. And I took that very, very seriously. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So what was, um, when did you meet your wife? Uh, I met my wife when I was working for the, a Jewish youth organization uh, that kind of gave teenagers a safe place to ask, search, wonder, question, um, and have fun. Um, and, uh, she was in the West coast. I was in the East coast and we were going to do a summer program together touring Israel. Mm. Um, and, uh, it got canceled cause there was a war, but we had a lot of trainings together and I, <laughs> just I went a over war. there was a war in Israel, so we couldn't go. Yeah. It had to get canceled, uh, for safety of the kids and, and, and the, the camps and the, you know, the staff. And, um, we had like a lot of meet-ins and, and crossovers. And I said to my friend, like, I got to date this girl. Like, I need to date this girl. Uh, she said no about three times because she thought I was too cool for, for her, um, which is not true. I am a nerd and a geek and that's okay. And, um, but I have ADHD. So I walked away in the middle of a conversation. I'm like, oh, I thought she was done. I'm like, oh, hey, you, squirrel. Yeah. And she's like, oh, my gosh, this guy thinks he's too cool for me. Right. Um, and then we kind of kept reconnecting. And then she finally said yes. And uh, we married. You know, love it. And y'all been married very, how very long? Happy. Eight years. Eight years. Okay. And your daughter's how old? Yeah. yeah. You said at the beginning. Uh, she's almost four. Okay. And my son just turned one. Okay. That's right. You had a little one. That's right. That's right. Because when yeah. we tried to get this together last year, yeah, you're right in the middle. He was being of born. That. We were moving. It was yeah. A lot of oh man, how's he doing? Oh, he is. He's a sweetheart. Yeah. He's a. He doesn't sleep well, but he's a sweetheart. Oh yeah, that. I wish I. I wish that changed. I have two boys, five and eight, and they still don't sleep. So we were laughing about both of them. I had to go before coming over here. One of them had fever, and then the other one needed to come home from school, and so changing the whole day to go pick one up and bring the other one and keep the other one and. We were playing, me and the baby, the five and a half year old, were playing Nerf guns upstairs, you know, while he's coughing <laughs> his head off and snotty and just mass chaos, man. I love but, it. But it's the life. It, it's great. All right. So, uh, one of the posts I told you I wanted to talk to you about um, was you posted a Jordan Peterson quote. Um, and I'm going to butcher it. So, let me look back. Look, let me look back at it unless you know it off the top of your head. Uh, aim to be, let's see, aim to be good, pray for happiness. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. And so I wanted to talk a little bit as a coach, as a therapist, as a, as a dad, as a, a man of faith, what's kind of your take on the, the world we live in and, and people's desire for happiness? And, and why did that quote uh, hit you? I, I don't know. 
I don't know what my mindset was at the time of, of hearing that. You know, I don't agree with everything he might say, um, depending on the day. Wait, if you uh, post a Jordan Peterson quote, that means you agree with everything that he no says, No joke. Ellie. Someone told me to take it down. Oh, I saw the I, I got I a went message looked from and it was like a seven people. I, like, I got oh private messages from seven people saying, you have to take it down. Jordan Peterson's a racist son of a gun. Yeah, yeah. You know, a terrible human being. He hates women, all these things. I'm like, I don't know what he said about those specific things. I don't know everything he said. This specific quote that I heard him say that came up on TikTok, real, whatever social media snippet of his speech this line I like. I like the line. It could have been a priest or a rabbi said it. It could have been uh, my my mom could have said it. I like the idea. I like the line. It hit me in my heart. Yeah. And the reason being is that as a, as a whole, we are striving so much to be happy and we forget to be a good person mm. because we get so siloed or myopic or focused on my my happiness that we forget other people and forget to be good. Yeah. We need to strive to be good human beings. And with that doesn't mean we're always going to be happy, but we got to pray that we're going to be happy and pray for happiness because doing good doesn't always equal happiness. Mm. Sometimes it's hard. It's yeah. tough. It's rough. It's dirty. Sometimes it's down in the, in the, in the, the grime of the world to do good. Sometimes it's not enjoyable. Yeah. Many times, right? But it's still good work. Yeah. So praying for happiness, I think, is better than than the idea of it's like the the thing that people say now is uh, you know, the constitution didn't say that you're getting happiness, it's pursuit of happiness, right? Yeah. It's like the thing everyone talks about. One of my favorite movies, Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith. Oh, that's a great I think movie. is a beautiful, beautiful movie, and I think everyone should watch the idea of he was poor and was running from interview to interview, working his butt off. And he has fulfillment in something that he put his hard work in, and that is happiness. Mm -hmm. Not millions of dollars, not these other things. So whatever whatever it was, I think at that moment in my in my life when I pushed, I think it was a couple of months ago or a year or so ago when I when I posted that, it was this idea of don't forget to try your best to be good, do good, and help people, um, and don't forget to pray for joy and happiness because. We also need that too, and sometimes it's out of our control, and we need to get a little extra help uh, from other from other forces. Yeah. So, why do you think doing good leads to what? What do you think it leads to then? If if not happiness, right? What do you what do you see it leading to? Well, I think there's like two ideas here, right? I think there's also fulfillment, right? I, I think that fulfillment is a sense of whole, or a sense of of connection to something. It doesn't always equal what we've always view as a smile of happiness or elation or mm -hmm. joy. But fulfillment is a different, total different feeling of maybe a subcategory of happiness yeah, or a different avenue or angle of happiness because happiness is a very general term. It's very vague. Mm -hmm. So I think that being good or doing good creates fulfillment. It doesn't mean that we are laughing and happy and, you know, waking up in the morning with a pep in our step. Yeah. But it can drive us. It can it make us feel that we are worth something, or that our life is worth it, because we are doing good for the world and for the people in our in our circles and our in our life. Right. So, so you would say that's like purpose. Yeah, I think doing good can create purpose and fulfillment. It doesn't always equal happiness. Yeah. I think happiness does come with doing good, but it doesn't always equate or equal that automatically. And I also think it's our perspective right? We can do a lot of good, feel fulfilled, and then say that wonderful statement of this is not enough. Mm -hmm. I need to do more. So sometimes if I'm going to read into what Jordan Peterson said, um, as someone who doesn't know anything that he thinks in his head, was <laughs> the idea of, I think, also praying for happiness to me is praying for being content. Yeah. So I can do a lot of good, but I also need to pray for me to feel that this good is good. Or yeah. that I am good enough because I did as much as I can. And sometimes I think that's also, I think in the quote or the little snippet that he said was that we're going, 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 and we can do good, but don't feel happy or fulfilled or joy because we're doing the next thing or trying to do more and more. Yeah. And I think also the prayer is that I can sit back and go, okay, 
I'm happy I did good today. Yeah, it makes me go two directions. Like one is just the the neurology of happiness and dopamine and you know where we're at. I know this is talked about a lot, but just the the culture of people who have grown up being miserable, having trauma, being abused, being neglected, being disconnected, broken attachment, all the things you know about. Um, and so what we've done is we've instant gratification and whether that's pornography or drugs or alcohol or uh, the pursuit of just generic happiness, right? I watched a show and laughed at it. I, like some of those things are bad in and of themselves, but not all the things that make us happy are bad in and of themselves, but our heart posture towards those things and why we're doing those things, right, is the meaning and the purpose that you're talking about. It's like, it's the yeah. why. And yeah, I, I was gonna make a video about this today and I still will because I don't know when this episode is coming out and there's two different, you know, yeah, Friday. two different content. Um, so uh, I'll do it today so I can get a beat on it. Yeah, please. Um, do it, I'll share it and then Lebr I'll. LeBron James just passed Right. Uh, yeah. Will was it Will Chamberlain? Will, yeah. uh, uh, no, uh, Will Chamberlain was the most points per game. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yeah, for the right. most points ever scored by an NBA player. And there's a famous picture going around that everyone's exploding is that everyone's on their phones, except for Phil Knight, who is the creator of Nike, mm. is sitting there, locked in, present, in in this moment of history of the NBA that he has seen hundreds of thousands of of you know he's he created michael jordan like him and yeah, jordans yeah. that's him yeah it's freaking him he created jordans yes not michael jordan right so he's seen and has been to so many games and he sat there with his phone in his pocket and experienced mm -hmm. that wasn't instant gratification that wasn't for a post on instagram that wasn't for his website it was just him experiencing life and I think we forget that. And that's real fulfillment is actually being present and being in the moment. It's why uh, to tie it into religion. I know this is a, a lot more, you know, we're talking more religious stuff here. It's why prayer is so impactful, right? It's why I don't like, and I've been to synagogue where people use their cell phones and they have the prayer book on their cell phone. Yeah. I think that's ridiculous because you're automatically going to get distracted. Disconnect from this. Yeah. Get a book. Read a prayer book. Be in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Don't use the technology. Yeah. Right. Because that's what we're trying to. We're trying not to do that here. We're trying to be something above that. Yeah. And more, more simple. So I, I that, that picture is going around a lot now. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Phil Knight's a genius. No, he's not. He's just simple living his life. You know. Yeah. It is funny though the correlation that he owns Nike and runs a company and is successful, and and I think party probably. Pro part of that success being long-term is learning to be present. You know, you can get away with it here and there. Um, but I think in marriage and parenting, especially, uh, in work, being present, you know, is so important to the long-term success of whatever it is you're doing. And you're right with yeah. prayer. It's so true. It, I mean, um, you know, we, we have to pull away. Jesus pulled away. We have to have the time to be with God and sit and listen and, and receive from him. And, and we have to do that with each other and we have to do that with our spouses and our kids. And again, it goes back to happiness isn't always about us and consuming and getting. Um, have you heard that? Uh, I think I've talked about it on here before, but it's a, it's a Jewish rabbi about fish love. Have, we, have you heard that? I think you mentioned it on my podcast. Oh, yeah. I didn't have a chance to look into it. But I would love to hear it again yeah. so I can actually remind myself and actually look into it because I love the idea. I remember I love the idea. That's right. So it's a Jewish rabbi and he's walking you know, down the street and there's a little pond and there's a guy fishing and he says, oh, I see you, you know, you're fishing. He said, the guy says, yes, I love fish. And the, the rabbi says, oh, you love fish. So you saw the fish, you caught the fish, you killed the fish and now you're eating it. He says, most of the world's love is that, is fish love, is I see something that I want that's going to make me feel good, that's going to be fulfilling and that and we call it love when love is really service, you know, it's giving, it's like you said in the very beginning, it's caring for someone else, looking for the downtrodden, the one who's missing out, the, the guy at your work who feels disconnected and, and unincluded, you know, just those things. And, and, you know, it's crazy, but like God designed us, right? And so it's our, our neurochemistry goes that direction too. We, we get serotonin, we, we, re we release the right hormones when we do those type of things. And when we do the things yeah. that aren't good for us, we release these hormones that are never satisfying and that are addictive and that are, you know, they feel really, really amazing, but man, you got to have more and more and more and you never catch up. Yeah. 
And I think that unfortunately, you know, as someone who specializes in relationships and work with people all the time on their relationships, I think a lot of us, myself included, probably at, at depending on the day, become very selfish within our relationships of what you can do for me mm-hmm. versus what I can do for you. Um, <clears throat> and people kind of view that, unfortunately, as being submissive, right? Of like, what what I can do for you? What do you mean what I can do for you? Yeah. Who are you? I'm not your slave. I'm not your, you know, I'm not below you. But it, but even equals can do things for each other. It's called caring. Yeah. It's called being kind. It's called being a partner, right? Partners share responsibility. And I think if we look at relationships as that way, even parents, right? I know that I have people in my life that if my daughter, who is four, almost four years old, doesn't give them the love that they want, they now don't treat her the way that she needs to be treated. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying they're abusive or hurtful. They're removed. Yeah. So it's like a tit for tat. Like, well, you didn't give me what I need, so I'm not going to give you a three-year-old attention. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's uh, selfish. Yeah. That's sel- That's focused on what you can give to me. And if I don't get that first, yep. sorry, you're not going to be in the picture. Yeah, and that teaches kids that we're responsible for all the adults in our lives feelings other people's needs yeah and, and if that we don't create a lot first. of attachment issues yeah right anxious attachment that's you know not that's what all it's about that's that's partly connected to that you know definitely yeah that's trauma you know and 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 no it might not be abusive outright but it's definitely um i think traumatic you know my definition for is. trauma is anything that's not nurturing um now that doesn't mean every non-nurturing thing gives you PTSD. But yeah. if we go kind of back theologically to Eden, it's like, you know, God intended us to have uh, shalom, right? Harmony, peace, connection, intimacy, no death, no dying, no abuse, no neglect, none, none of those things. And so that's the, that's the ideal. And anything that's not what God intended for us is traumatic. It, it's not what we're meant to experience and receive, you know, it's kind of, kind of death is traumatic you know grief is traumatic these are part of the human condition now but they were never the plan and so i think we've done a really huge disservice in in minimizing people's trauma and experience you know yeah i think also you know some people are afraid to talk this way when it comes to mental health and therapy because like how could you conflate um religion and mental health Mm -hmm. i think there's a balance that we can create like i can have perspectives guide my life a value base and translate it into a mental health perspective that doesn't have the same words as let's say Jesus or God mm-hmm. or or you know Judaism or Christianity or Catholicism or you know whatever religion or you know Islam I doesn't have to be I'm just picking the three biggest ones yeah yeah you know Buddhism you can take confuse whatever you want take we're any not leaving anybody like. out okay we just can't list Every all ism thousand you'd like, <laughs> except for except for uh, uh Scientology we'll leave that one out <laughs> Um, or any cult. We're canceled right? now. But, right? <laughs> That's it. They're going to come after us. Leia Ramini, protect me. That's right. um, but we can take that as a value-based. I remember once I had someone call me and said, you're Jewish. I said, yeah. Is that going to dictate your therapy? And I said, it dictates me. Like, I am Jewish. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to preach and co- con- try to convert you mm-hmm. as a therapist. I know the difference and the boundary, but myself, I run on that mental, that mental uh, energy. Mm-hmm. That's my thought process. That's where I think, that's where I come from. It doesn't mean that now I'm gonna be like, Holy Spirit, let me con- you know, convert you. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that I have a perspective that's different than yours, but I can still be a caring, loving human being without yeah. that blinding me from helping someone. And I think people get afraid when Someone writes on their like account or on their social media, on their psychology today, religious, you know, and they're like, oh, sorry. Nope. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm out. Now, if that's not for you, I totally respect that. But it doesn't. I really hope the right therapist and a good therapist is learning the distinction of where they tap into themselves and that boundary of, you know, not sharing your always your perspective if someone doesn't want to take that. You know, yeah. I remember once I had a client who was Jehovah's Witness, and he tried to convert me every session. <laughs> like I'm not even kidding. Oh, I believe you. Literally, I believe you. Every session he was preaching, trying to convert me. Yep. 
and I said to him, I said, dude, this is not your, your corner to preach. This yeah. is a place for you to get help. Yeah. And he didn't understand that. It was very hard for him. I'm sure. Uh, it didn't work out so well. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't end it. He 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 couldn't deal with it. He's like, I I, I don't know what to do now. I don't know how to talk. Yeah. Well, so, well, that's a great. Yeah. But I mean, wow, what a what a great uh, analogy to therapy in general. Because when you talk about Christianity and therapy, or or, or being Jewish and therapy, a therapist, it's like the idea that we can separate any of that out perfectly is so crazy. So even if you don't have a religion, right? Even if you're a therapist who doesn't post, oh, I'm a Christian or I'm Jewish or, you know, whatever. um, Like I don't have a hat, so I can't, you know, they can't, they can't just call me on it. You, you can't get around it. Right. Uh, But the the reality is I should just, you know, I should have like one of those really big gold cross necklaces and then I'll just wear that. Or you should just wear the the priest thingy, you know, the. Exactly. And it should be, and you should have a, you should have like a, the therapist in the middle or something on, on the collar. I could do like psychology symbol on the middle of the white. Uh, That'd be so freaking cool. We could start selling them when you go in, you know, anyway. Uh, <laughs> maybe, Tangent. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. My point is, is that um, from a worldview, right, of, of somebody saying, oh, you're Jewish. And so therefore, are you going to put that on me in session? Right. It's like as if a person who's completely atheist isn't putting that on you in session like you can't separate out being a human being in the room and so of course you're like there you're coming from some place of morality and judgment and health none of us should ever be putting that on someone else and forcing that on someone and that's really just the go-to so whether you're a christian or a jew or or whatever we most of us would who's healthy are going to say yeah I mean, I have this perspective. I'm going to come from this. And if you want that, I'm going to give it to you. But at the same time, it's not my job to, to tell you what to think and feel and believe, exactly. even with other Christians or even with other Jewish members of our community or even yeah. with, you know, like there's such a variant on that. However, I think it comes from the trauma of people seeing it done poorly. You know, so I can't I can't throw the world out and say, oh, well, you shouldn't judge us for being Christian, because I, I mean, I've seen more unhealth in Christian counseling or, or religious counseling than I have health. And so I, I don't, I get it. I have empathy for that fear. Yeah. I will also add, you know, I remember I once had a client who uh, came from an uh, ultra Orthodox background, mm. was not Orthodox anymore. Wasn't even practicing Judaism was culturally connected to Judaism. You know, he was Jewish felt connected to whatever that meant to him and was outwardly gay was gay. And he was afraid to tell me, even though I knew, mm-hmm. because it was in his file. He filled out paperwork uh, and wrote like a whole blurb about himself. Um, and even though he talked about his boyfriends, he never said he was gay for six months working with me because wow. he was afraid because of how his family reacted. Because I represented a Jew to him, mm-hmm. he was now, oh shoot, this is the same Jew, yep. right? Which is not true. And I also think that. This same rule that you're saying goes for therapy in general. Not just because you have letters after your name and just because you have a licensure doesn't make you a good person. Right. Same thing with doctors. Same thing with lawyers. Same thing with any profession. Just because you went to grad school and you have education and you have a license and you have a private practice doesn't mean that you're good at what you do. So people have this view of therapy. Like I had this one experience with a therapist. Therapy sucks. Yep. Therapists, the ther- all therapists are the worst. Yep. Yes. I would say give it a try, right? Because it could be a bad experience. Same thing with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Just because one boyfriend or girlfriend cheated with you doesn't mean that every boyfriend or girlfriend is going to cheat with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's just not how it works, right? So I think the idea of generalizing, well, I had one religious therapist and they tried to preach to me and convince me that this was the right way. Every single therapist has biases. Yeah. Every therapist. I remember I had a, one of my first years in grad school, I had a t- teacher who made us write on a piece of paper everything that we would never want to work with as a therapist. And people are writing, you know, sex offenders and pedophilia and criminals and, you know, intense mental health, like schizophrenia, you know, suicidal. Everyone was writing their things. And so she had everyone get up and say what they want, you know, what their list was. I think it was two to five things. Mm-hmm. And she said, OK, throw it out, rip it up. She says, don't you ever do that because you can't control who comes to your office. 
Now, you can leave your own stuff at the door, and when they leave, take a freaking shower and get over it. Yep. That's what she said to us. She's like, you cannot bring your bias of what you see other people as to dictate how you help. Mm-hmm. It's not your job. It is their job as a client to let you in so they can let you know what they need help with. Yep, I agree. And man. I remember sitting there going, oh, dang. It's tough. My first day, my first day of, of school, I'm like, now this teacher was a, she was terrible. Otherwise, <laughs> she read like, she talked about her sex life in class. It was weird. Um, Again, was one of those uh, those tells that you can have a master's degree or a doctorate and teach and, and not be a healthy person. Yeah, she was, she was, she was, uh, she had no boundaries. It was inappropriate. But that thing alone, I will never forget. Yeah. Because I'm a Jewish person. I work with Jews who don't live a life that I live as a Jew. Who cares? Mm-hmm. It's not my job. I'm not their rabbi. Mm-hmm. I'm not their spiritual guide. And I'm not their, you know, go-to person. Yeah. And if they want to talk about it, I'm there to talk about it. And if they don't, it's not my business. Yeah. But I think people are afraid. People are afraid when people are religious in some way or another as a therapist. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the same thing. I think you're right. And, I, and I, like I said, I empathize with their fear, but not everybody's like that in all of those categories. And I think for the person who's listening, who, who has that fear, I think from a therapeutic standpoint, it's like, yeah, so get healthy about that because that's a you issue, you know, and, and it might be right, right. You might've been burned, but your job is to heal from that and not have that cognitive distortion of overgeneralizing and black and white thinking, because you're going to stay stuck and miss out on that, the healthy, loving people out there who want to genuinely support you because of some, because of one person or a parent or an ex ex spouse or whatever. And although trauma is real and we have to process it and we experience it, I think we had to help people as a society better move out of that victim seat into personal responsibility. So tell me that, what do you think, um, like, what do you see this, this, the swing in therapy from, you know, children to be seen, not heard to, you know, children should run the house and have, you know, be emoted at all times and, and never, uh, never cry and always be taken care of and comforted. What, what balance do you find in your life, whether clinically or, or personally or whatever? Yeah, please. I love the question. Um, there's a, a recent person I collaborated with. Her name is Dr. Jody Carrington. She wrote a book, uh, Be Seen, I think, or something of that nature, something with seen. Um, I think one of the things that we do as therapists, hopefully well, is let people be seen, right? Is help people be seen in a way that's them. And I think that as parents, I think that there's a balance as well, right? Back up for a second about the power of the therapist is that we are giving someone a healthy interaction with a human. Hmm. We are trying to model what healthy relationships are. Not all therapy is, how does it make you feel? Let me tell, tell me all your dark deep, like this morning at a therapy session, we just chatted as two friends. And that's what he needed for me that morning, this morning. Mm-hmm. Two people having a conversation about life and family and perspectives and opinions. So we have to do the same thing for our kids, right? We have to help them be seen and respected. We have to help them grow as what it means to have healthy relationships and also what it means to have healthy emotions. So yeah, you better cry. You better get angry. You better be happy. Those are things that need to happen on a daily basis. But how do you deal with that, right? So we're not gonna say, go to a corner, shut up and get out of here. That's the the bad extreme. And we can't say, feel everything and emote no matter how it is, even if it's inappropriate. Mm -hmm. Life is about balance. There are good times and not the best times to express, right? Just like you don't laugh at a funeral. It's inappropriate, right? And you don't, and but you know, you can cry at a wedding, whatever. Those are happy tears. But even though people laugh at funerals because people make funny jokes about death and get uncomfortable. So no judgment on that. But there are good times and bad times to express and we need to model that. And we also need to realize that we make mistakes mm-hmm. and that we're human. So that if I make a mistake, I'm gonna apologize to my kid if I snap and yell at my kid inappropriately or wrongly and it makes them upset scared or feel unsafe i need to make sure that they i recover and repair that yep because that's what healthy relationships are it's not deal with your emotions get out of my face right it's let's talk about it let's deal with it let's sit with it yeah my daughter cries multiple times a day because she's three (laughs) my son takes a toy from her 
she gets upset. My daughter wants a certain food and I thought she's something else, right? There's so many reasons why a kid will cry. But we need to help our kids be, there's three S's that are so important for children and for parents. Safety, security, and being seen, Mm. right? So safety is physical. Security is emotional. And being seen is respected for who they are, entirety of what they are that day, in that moment, in that place that they're in. That's awesome. I like those. I'm, gonna right? steal, I'm totally stealing that. Uh, you got to steal it from that. That's Dan Siegel and yeah, Tina Bryson. That's, that's not right. me. That's, that's Tina right. Bryson, Dan Siegel. Uh, no drama discipline and uh, brain, whole brainchild and yeah. yes brain. All that stuff's so good. Those are the best books. They saved my life parenting for sure. I agree with you. And if you want, Clint, even though we're recording, I'm colleagues and friends with Tina. Just shoot me an email or text me. I'm more than happy to connect you to Tina. She is a wonderful person. Yeah, I saw you had uh, Dr. Delahook on, and I love her, and she's kind of a backdoor connection. Email me, Clint. Yeah. Email me. Yeah. Look at anyone. I will send – I would love to help connect you to anyone. Yeah. Um, I know my podcast isn't, you know, millions and billions of followers. I hope it is one day. But uh, if hey, mine either, a little man. bit of – if my ability is to connect other people to people that they admire because I was able to get through and just send an email and get an answer – I would be very, very fulfilled in the work that I do. Yes. So please ask. Same here. Yeah, that's all. I, I, I'd had uh, Dr. Delahook on last year, and then her new book came out, and and I was like, man, I got to have you back on. So I'm trying to work work her, around her schedule. There's some awesome people doing some awesome work, and I love that uh, you post a lot of their stuff and are connected on your podcast with that. So, you know, the thing about millions of viewers too. I mean, this is another tangent, but. Um, the thing I love about our podcast style and what you do and what I do is like the people who are listening are genuinely tuned in. You know what I mean? Like they, they're listening to something they have to listen to and people take notes on and, and you know, they're getting, you know, clarity and help and, and, and direction. And so, yeah, I mean, there's murder mystery podcast or, you know, silly joke podcast Which are great. or whatever. You yeah. know, serial killer podcast. It, yeah. It's fun. If that's for you. Yeah. So, but they have millions and millions <laughs> of views, you know, and it's like, can't get anybody to listen to a mental health podcast and that's the one thing they need to be dealing with um <laughs> any any thoughts i know i don't know what your time is what what, what you gotta you gotta go, go by one yeah okay cool uh, uh no i have till i have till 15 okay 15. gotcha um what do you think um Oh, I was going to tell you so you said the three s's so say those again for everybody safety so it's safety security uh-huh. and seen got it right there are i think there are five s's in total in the book yeah but to me and in the book itself and a lot of the parenting that i do and the expertise that um i kind of work with a lot of people with those are the biggest three yeah right because we're helping someone feel safe in their physical right self that means their body that means their their atmosphere their environment their relationships with parents and their kids siblings in their house with food, clothes, right? The basic needs, Maslow's basic foundational needs, right? And then you have secure, uh, safety and security is the idea of emotions mm-hmm. and feeling that you can be your full self emotionally without being judged, yelled at, put down, disgusted, ashamed, or guilty mm-hmm. for feeling. Yeah, right? and I, w- I would say and also thinking. trying on different selves, right? The, the security aspect of that emotionally is, is not... Because I think, let me jump on that just for a second. I think one of the problems that I, or questions I have for you and things that I see is, is that movement of, you know, be yourself, be who you are. And if anybody's offended by that or doesn't support that or doesn't validate that, then they're wrong and that's abusive. And so how do you get around, right? How do we, how do we work (laughs) with that with children who don't know who they are yet, who haven't even hit puberty yet? um, And how do we teach them? that I see you or you're secure in trying that on. I'm not bringing you shame. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to judge you. But at the same time, uh, hold loosely to things that we know are either morally or behaviorally unhealthy for them. So just so I can answer in a smart way, in a better way, are you asking from a sexual identification? No, question? I'm not. I are you mean, asking from a behavioral child perspective? I'm just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying Anything. to touch so, on that. No, no, I'm just asking so I can answer either way as honest and real as possible. Any and all of that is is a good question. Okay, great. So I think the biggest thing is that there is a push in the world today because of either pressures of society or or, uh, certain groups and and viewpoints that uh, when a four four to eight year old says, I wanna be this, 
that we now have to jump through hoops to respect that. I think we there's a way to respect it and also give a kid room to grow. When I was a kid, I pretended to be a dog when my dad came home and I would bark at the door and I would, you know, wag my tushy and tail and, and you know, run around. I can't believe I did that, to be honest. My parents told me a story of like, I'm like so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm such a weirdo. But I was playing a dog. I love dogs. I wanted a dog. I was behaving like a dog. My kids do it kids all behave the time. like dinosaurs, yep. right? Kids behave like dinosaurs. They roar. My daughter pretends she's a cat and licks her hand, right? All these things. We need to embrace the the, the silliness and joy of being a kid. And we also have to remember that they are kids. We can't expect them to be adults. Mm-hmm. Now, what about behaviors, right? So when a kid's like, oh, just let them be kids, the kid's screaming and yelling and cursing. No, there's a, there's a, there's just because someone what is who they want to be and living their truth. I hate when people say that <laughs> live your truth. This is my truth. Yes. It might be your truth, but it might not be okay to behave that way in certain atmospheres. As so if yes, you're the I'm only so person happy. in the world, right? Exactly. Right. So I love that you would like to, you feel it's okay to scream at people because it's your truth. No, 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 it's not. It's not nice, right? We also have to not want to create chaos just mm. because it's people's truths. Yeah. Now, if you want to go start piercing your body and do things, all power to you. I, I might not do that for myself. If that's your truth and you want to get plastic surgery to turn your eyes into lizard eyes and split your tongue and turn into a Barbie with plastic surgery, okay, that's your truth. Go have fun. But when it comes to children, they don't know what they want yet because they're learning, they're experiencing, they're trying, they're figuring it out. And let's be honest, I'll call out adults for a second. We don't know who the freak we are either. Amen. I'm in my 30s. I am just getting comfortable with myself, my atmosphere, my attitude, my perspectives, my thought processes. I've had 20 something years on my daughter. So how, if I can't expect myself to know what I want, and I'm still figuring it out and learning day to day because humans are forever evolving. We cannot be static. And if we view someone as static, they decide something one day and they're locked into that forever, we are stunting them. We are hurting them. And we are doing a huge destructive disservice to a kid who says, I want to be this. Okay, forever. That's it. We're changing. We're doing. We're adjusting. Right. But there are certain things that we also as adults have a better perspective on because we've been through it. We've seen what is behaviorally okay. And it's not always a societal issue. It's not always the patriarchy. It's not always, you know, the government trying to control us. Sometimes yelling and screaming in public is not a good behavior. Yeah. Does it mean that there's a healthy way to deal with it? Yeah. Does it mean that your kids allowed to do whatever the heck they want because they want to? No. We have to, again, model healthy behavior for them to grow up, to be successful with their emotions, with their feelings and their thoughts, to feel safe, to be respected, yet learn the smart balance of when and how to utilize their beautiful power of themselves. That's good. And that takes a lot of practice and a lot of patience, a lot of trial and error. And a lot of work, you know, as parents, I think it, it takes... I think those are the beautiful things that I think most of our society misses out on, though. It goes back to happiness. Let's dovetail this. It's like, you know, it's really hard to sit down with my son and have a conversation. Literally this morning, we're on the way to school, and there's a guy in front of us on a, uh, like a motorcycle, uh, not Harley, but more of a, like, crotch rocket. And he's like, uh, he's, in, he's like three car lengths up ahead, and we're going to turn left into the school, and the guy's just like, I mean, it's so loud. And he's just sitting there just throttling. And my son's like, he's kind of sensory kid, so he doesn't like loud noises anyway. And he's like, although he's loud, um, he's like, why is he doing that? You know? And I'm like, well, buddy, I was like, why do you think, you know? And so we get in this little conversation and I'm like, yeah, bud, sometimes people don't know how to love themselves and don't like themselves very much. And so in order to feel good about themselves, they have to be loud and they have to get attention and they want everybody to look at them and see them. And they think that's cool, you know? And so... I don't know exactly why he's doing that, but he's definitely not doing that because something's wrong with his engine, you know? Like, and so he's, you know, then he's driving in front of us and the guy's like just swerving all over the place and kind of showing off. And, and so he's like, he's doing it again. And we just had this kind of heart to heart conversation. And I was like, you know, that guy needs some love. He needs some attention, um, but he doesn't probably know how to get it in the right way. And so we had yeah. these little conversations and that took time and it took effort and it took thought 
And I'd much rather have just been listening to music, you know, to some degree and getting ready for my work day. But those are the things and the life lessons and the moments that, uh, that have purpose and bring joy into my life, at least, and at least in clients that I talk to. Um, but man, they're so easy to skip over. Yeah, you're right. And I, and I think that it's those small moments that we can really connect with our kids. And yes, I am here to listen to my daughter talk those moments of like understanding her and growing to know her for what she wants, not what I think she needs to be or what I expect her to be. Um, you know, if my daughter wants to be a ridiculous kid and dance like a silly lady in the middle of ballet class and shake her little booty while everyone else is doing, you know, calm movements, power to her. Right. But like, I'm not gonna let her get naked in the class. Right. And at like some I, point, I mean, if it's going to get I mean, her kicked out of the class, right, you're going to have to have a conversation about when. And that's where not her that, truth. Yeah. Even though it's like, oh, that's my kid just likes to get naked. Okay. So they can't do certain things. It doesn't mean something's wrong with them, right? Let's not diagnose and say something's crazy or wrong with someone, but there's appropriate and inappropriate. Now, the problem we get into, and I think this is a big hot topic, is who decides. Yeah. Right. Who's, so that goes back I, to licensure, right? Like Christian right? counseling, Jewish counseling. Who, got, who exactly. gets to decide what is moral? I think that it's an individual family personal thing. Yep. If I think that this is inappropriate, I don't want this in my life, I get to decide that. Now, of course, we have government laws and all these things. I remember, and again, I'm going to say this caveat. I don't agree with everything this person says. Ben Shapiro was talking with Russell Brand. <laughs> Uh-huh. on Russell Brand's podcast. I happen to find Russell Brand's com- com- podcast pretty interesting. Dude, he's I'm like, very, the other day I told somebody, why is it that I, but why is it that I like trust Russell Brand's source of news more than I do any other uh, news source? Like, he gives, he gives, like he gives a full range of everything. Yeah. He doesn't like just, he's like talked about everything. I'm like who would have thought and Russell Brand about, would be a person that I'm going to listen no to? No idea. I can't believe it. He's He struggles with sobriety and he started with that and then got into everything else. Yeah. Um, also, he has a British accent, so we kind of trust him more. Exactly. Sounds smart. Clint, no joke. I say this all the time. If I, had a, if I had a British or Australian or South African accent, I'd be famous already. Um, I'm telling you, it's just the accent. Um, but no, all joking aside, him and Ben Shapiro talked about something that I think is a very important concept, is the idea of if we lived in a siloed world where I focused on what worked for me and respected you for what worked for you, and I let myself live my life without judging another person, and you lived your life without judging me, and we can live on the same block and you can paint your house whatever freaking color you want. And if you want to be you know, married to this person and live your life this way and talk this way, but you don't take that lifestyle and force me to live that lifestyle. And I don't take my lifestyle and force you to live your li- that lifestyle. We would live in a less chaotic place in a more respectful, kind world. Mm-hmm. So I think when these decisions of what is your truth, I think is an individual idea of what works for me and my family. What works for me in my religion, religious belief? Now, the silo might be a community where it's a synagogue or a church or a mosque or, uh, you know, a, a kind of, you know, a community center or a sport team that you love, right? No one questions that the, Speaking the, of uh, right, the Raiders wore, uh, you know, fans used to wear crazy outfits. No one's like, oh, that's not normal. Yeah, it's fine. It was totally fine. Everyone's like, go them. Hooray. They're big fans. No one questioned that. So if we lived in our own siloed world for our belief systems and our values, and we didn't try to force other people to believe that or live that, and we were kind and compassionate to someone else's life, it would be less chaotic. Now, unfortunately, we end up then getting groups and then the groups hate on other groups. And we always just social sociologically, uh, from a, from a scientific perspective, we yeah. end up fighting the other people. We end up fighting others. Tribalism. We don't respect. Yeah. It, it's a, a great book, Tribe, right? Tribalism. We end up doing that. Yeah. So I like that theory, right? What works for me and my family does not work for you. I should not be telling you how to raise your kids as a parent. If you come to me as a professional, I'll give you professional help, not personal help, right? So stop. Everyone stop having opinions about other people and telling them what to do. It's just tiring. <laughs> Because yeah. what works for your kids, Clint, won't work for my kids. And that's great. Yeah. They're your kids. They're not mine. Yeah. So I think we get too bogged into that, like, my opinion versus your opinion. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. I think it's. Oh, I agree, man. I think, again, it's the it's the fringes that cause the problems for most of us, right? It's like, you know, 
just like we talked about, it's the fringe religious people who have a you know client come in and they do it, they're doing something they don't agree and they're like, hey, that's sinful or that's broken or that's this. It's like, well, that's a bad idea to do for anybody. You know, you can give options. Yeah. You can say, hey, well, the research shows this. Um, mm-hmm. Some people I've seen that done this way and this way. You're going to have to find what's best for you and uh, let's talk about if that's best for you. And I'm going to be in relationship with you as you figure that out. And you'll figure out real quickly whether that's best for you and your family or not. And I'll keep being in relationship with you as you figure it out. But I'm going to point out to you the discrepancies and the incongruence, right? I mean, I think that's that's health all the way around. If you come in my office and you say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, and I believe, you know, he died for our sins, and I believe he loves me unconditionally. And then every time you come in, you're telling me I'm a piece of crap, I'm unworthy, I'm broken, I can't believe I did this thing 15 years ago then we're going to talk about the tension of the truth of that thing that you say you believe that you're not acting out of. Yeah. But that's not me pushing my religion on you. That's if you came in and said, I believe that trees are going to grow candy canes one day if I'll just be nice to everybody. Right. And then the next day you're really mean to everybody and say, Hey man, you know, you must not care about the candy canes because you're doing the opposite of what you're saying you actually believe is good for the world. And so, yeah, I think it gets real messy when people, judge other people. And, and, and I'll, I'll touch on that. I think people misunderstand the idea of judgment too. Like me saying, Hey, this doesn't look like a good idea for you or research shows or inexperience. This thing can go badly is not me, me saying, I, I think you have less worth and value, which in my opinion is what judgment mm-hmm. is. Judgment is I see your behavior and I judge your heart and your worth and your value to me. But me looking at your behavior and saying that might not be healthy is not me judging who you are as a person. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. But so many people are like, oh, well, you said, you know, you and Ellie were talking about this and y'all were being real sexist or you were being real this because you said this. And it's like, no, I, I didn't say you were a cert- less than because we have these beliefs. I said, I, I don't think these behaviors are helpful and healthy. And it's just, it's like now everything that is just a, um, hey, hey, a hypothesis about something is a judgment of your character and morality. Yeah. I hundred percent agree. It's, it's, it's so many things intertwined that you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna get me in trouble. I'm going to talk forever. Yeah, no, it's good, man. I appreciate you talking about all this stuff. And, you know, like we said, I love, I love talking to you, you know, because, and I love the stuff you do and because, you know, we're such a common thread and it's so rare to find somebody who thinks the same way in the same spectrum from a faith background. Um, and is trying to figure this stuff out, man, because you know, they're especially, I mean, I don't know about you, but being a Christian counselor and, and understanding trauma and psychology, there's not like really a pathway, you know, there's not a really good pathway to figure out how to do this and have these conversations in the right way. There, there are pathways to do it very poorly and wrong and get in trouble. <laughs> But I think doing it it's, in the right way is hard. Yeah, I agree with you. So, and you know, it's good to find other men that are, you know, in this world and doing the, the doing the work as well. Absolutely, man. Well, any closing thoughts, um, comments, things you you want to tell the world? I just think that if if you need help, try, really try. Don't be afraid to look and fight for your health, whatever that means. That means looking, searching, being comfortable with someone. But remember, you have to be in charge of yourself. Mm -hmm. You have to be the one to make that effort. No one else is going to make it happen. If someone pushes you to therapy, it's not going to help as much. You have to be the power and control of your own destiny and your own journey. And just please be kind to yourself and be kind to the people in your life because life is very limited. Life is very short um, and it's too precious to waste on stupid things. Yeah, man. So connect to your loved ones, connect to something bigger than yourself, try to find fulfillment in your daily life. And hopefully that breeds a place that is happy, joyous and fulfilling where you wake up every day, pretty proud of the life that you have. That's awesome, man. 
I really appreciate you, Ellie. And sorry, I butchered and said Eli in the beginning, even though I told myself four times not to say Eli when I was getting on here. So, uh, hey, I had some on my show a while back that she reminded me right before we spoke, and I still did it. Yep. Yeah. Everybody will forgive us, I'm sure. As long as you do, I'm good. Um, I'm good. I'm good. Find you at the Dude Therapist. Uh, that's your podcast, and then they can yep. find you on Instagram. Uh, where? What else do you got that that they can find you on? Well, I offer parenting and relationship coaching in, uh, and I also offer um, therapy, couples therapy, individual therapy, uh, working on some courses that I can't promise will come out anytime soon because I'm doing it on my own time. Yeah. Whenever it comes out, that's when it's going to come out. You can find that on my website, elliewinesteinlcsw.com. Um, and if uh, I also offer speaking engagements, so if you want me to come out to your area uh, to speak about relationship work, parenting work, or anxiety work, or anything you want me to tailor it to. I'm pretty good at tailoring speeches to what is needed and what would be helpful. Please just reach out and see what I can do. Yeah, man. Well, we're going to do a collab. I know we were messaging about it uh, earlier, but I'd love to do some more conversation with you about faith and mental health and, and maybe just do a like little series for people because I think there's a lot of people, I love that. you know, faith-based people and also professionals who are trying to thread the needle on some of this stuff. But man, we just have so many, so much baggage in our culture around fear. And yep. I, th I think you're one of those men that, um, you know, that I see that is, is living his faith out. And it's not just a thing that you're doing and it's not just a thing that's on the side and it's not just culturally relevant. Um, and I hope that I am, am that same way. And so I think we could do a lot of good together. So I look forward to that and I hope our listeners uh, get excited about that. Um, so check Ellie out and man, thank you and God bless thank everybody and me. have a good week.